see somebody else. I want to know what it is that you believe in the Hello and welcome to the Fly in the Milk podcast. My name is Jason Oliver and I'm your host for the show. On today's show, we're going to talk about the wildfires out here in the Pacific Northwest. We're going to then go into the return of both college and pro football. And we'll finish up by talking about the upcoming Apple announcement. The Fly in the Milk is a podcast about topics that are relevant to our everyday lives. There's no topic that we won't cover and no perspective we won't be willing to unpack. So whatever it is you're doing, thanks for tuning in. Wildfires in the Pacific Northwest are out of control. In fact, over the last few days, I want to say three or four days, they've burned over 665,000 acres in the state of Washington. 665,000 acres. That's the equivalent of 12 cities the size of Seattle. That's how much acreage has been burned. And down in Oregon, it's even worse. Down in Oregon, they have over 819,000 acres that have burned over the last few days. And I got to tell you, it is like the apocalypse here with all of the smoke. In fact, when you get up and you look out, it looks cloudy, but it's not. It's just smoke, smoke everywhere. Air contamination levels are at historic highs. And what does that mean? That means staying in the house. Now, as if it wasn't bad enough with the pandemic having to stay in the house. Now we can't even go out for a walk or go out for a run or riding your bike or anything. They're saying that the air levels are so dangerous that you really shouldn't be doing that. Now, for those of you who are out there listening and you're living in cities that are outside of the Pacific Northwest and you've never been up to the Pacific Northwest, either Seattle, Portland, or the state of Washington or Oregon, let me tell you, the appeal of living in this part of the country is number one, how absolutely beautiful it is. You have mountains, you have huge bodies of water. You have a bunch of evergreen trees. I mean, it's very lush and green here and it really plays well with being outside. I mean, the outdoors is what this is all about. I mean, think REI. What is keeping REI going is areas like the Pacific Northwest. So you have a bunch of hiking and camping and paddle boarding and bike riding, just a bunch of different things you can be doing. And all of these activities are what make life wonderful here. So when you have wildfires and you have smoke and you can't get out, it's that much more frustrating. Of course, the priority here, though, is the loss of lives, the loss of homes, the loss of trees. But we've got to take time out to start talking about climate change in a serious way. Now, for those of you guys out there that don't believe climate change is a real thing, you might as well just go ahead and turn off the podcast because this is a podcast where we know for sure it's a real thing. Living in areas where the outdoors is really valued, it makes a huge difference in your approach to the environment. I was born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. In the Midwest, you just don't have the same level of priority when it comes to the outdoors. I mean, it has its beautiful areas in the Midwest, don't get me wrong, but it's much more illuminated out here. It's everywhere, and you can't drive to work. You can't drive downtown. Heck, you can't even go from neighborhood to neighborhood without noticing 
just how beautiful the countryside is. And therefore, the environment is going to be something that's going to be on the top of your mind. And so having been born and raised in the Midwest, I can tell you that when I was living there, when I was growing up there, even, you know, in college and after college, I didn't quite get it when people would talk about tree huggers and make fun of them. Man, after I moved out here, I totally get it. I get why folks want to make sure that they protect these areas. And I think it's important for folks that out in Seattle, out in Portland, out in Pacific Northwest, and even California. Again, California's burning up too. So I don't want to, in fact, theirs is even more robust than it is here. But be that as it may, I do think we have a responsibility to try to convey a message to the rest of the country to those who may not necessarily live in areas where the outdoors is so valued to maybe take a second look. And at least, if nothing else, trust what we're telling you. These wildfires have been going on for at least seven or eight years in a real serious way. And it's not just the wildfires. Like I talked about before, it's also the smoke. In fact, a few years ago, up in British Columbia, for those of you who don't, understand geography or you just live in different parts of the country where you don't pay attention canada borders the state of washington the province of british columbia is just north of the state of washington so if you've heard of a city vancouver if you've heard of that city that's in the province of british columbia it's about three three and a half hours north of seattle it's gorgeous it's their version of san francisco if you will in terms of just how stunning the city is They had their wildfires a few years ago and the smoke came south. And so we kind of dealt with this before, but it's more intense this year. It's just sitting here. We got this cloud of smoke just sitting here. Now, getting back to climate change, it's not just that the, the wildfires are happening. Of course, humans many times set these wildfires, but it's ripe for this to happen because it's been so dry and so hot. And that's where climate change plays a role. Now, in the Midwest, again, I grew up there. You have tornadoes. In the Southeast, what do you have? Hurricanes. We've always had hurricanes, but the number of hurricanes seems to be increasing. And oh, by the way, getting back to tornadoes, it's not just a number of tornadoes in the Midwest that's increasing. It's also where the tornadoes are actually happening. I mean, you got tornadoes in the southeast that's beginning to be commonplace in Tennessee and Alabama and areas we really never thought about tornadoes being a serious thing. Now, in the northeast, you have cyclones. You also have hurricanes up in the northeast, too. And again, the frequency, the velocity of these storms and what have you are directly related to climate change. And so I think that it would really help if we could be serious about this. We should be encouraging one another to make decisions that support centering climate change and how we live our lives. Whether it's wind, solar, or hydroelectricity, renewable energy, alternative energy, and climate change, a regular part of our conversation. So when you come here, it's going to be something that we actually talk about and how it can impact our lives. Whether it be how you leverage energy for your homes or your cars or pretty much any piece of gas powered equipment. And before I wrap up on this topic, let me talk about this. I'm going to go ahead and pop my collar a little bit because we just got rid of our gas powered pressure washer, which was the last gas powered piece of garden equipment or whatever you want to call it that we have. 
So we have an electric lawnmower now, an electric hedge trimmer, an electric blower, an electric edger or weed eater. Across the board, we're all electric. I have the batteries in the shed, always charged, so they're always ready to go. And I don't have to worry about mixing gas and oil or do if I have enough gas, taking a gas can down to the gas station. And I can't wait to get to a point to where I have an electric car, have solar panels on the house, have a battery for the home that you actually use to store the energy. Not only do you need a source, but you also need a way to store that energy because if you are using, for example, solar, it's not sunny all the time. And it's not sunny at night, obviously. So you need a way to harness the energy, but also store it to be used at a later time. And that's the theory behind that. But like I said, as we move further in the Flying the Milk podcast, we'll jump into this much deeper. But suffice to say, we can do better and we can start a conversation today. So this week was technically the second week of college football, and it's the first week of professional football. I'm going to go ahead and start off by talking about college football. Now, I'm a huge college football fan. I have been since I was a little kid. I actually played college football. It's been something that has been an important part of my fall Saturdays and still is. But we have a pandemic going on, guys. And for obvious reasons, in my opinion, we should not be having college football this year. We should not be playing it. At the very best, they should kick the can down the road and talk about playing it in the spring. Even though between you and I, we know that uh, there's not going to be anything different between now in the spring or the likelihood is that there won't be anything different be that as it may i don't think they should be playing which puts me in a precarious situation because now i feel like a hypocrite watching these games so the college football season kicked off last week and all due respect the schools that were playing are schools that you watch on television if you know someone who are playing for those teams if you have a, uh, a close friend, relative, or know a coach or something like that. But generally speaking, most of the college football fan base are not watching the games that we're playing. I think the, the, the biggest school, if you will, that was playing last week was BYU against Navy. This past Saturday, yesterday, is when the season really kicked off in terms of having a Power 5 conference. Oh, Saying that just drives me crazy because I think the Pac-12 and the Big Ten did the right thing by shutting their seasons down, even though the Big Ten, I guess there's controversy going on around if the Big Ten is going to reverse course, which would be awful. But be that as it may, at the time I'm recording this, the Big Ten decided to shut down along with the Pac-12. So that leaves the Big 12, ACC, and SEC as teams that decided to move forward. So there were ACC games and there were Big 12 games yesterday. And I'm watching these games and it's weird because they're focused totally on the game, which again, under normal circumstances without a pandemic would actually be appealing, right? But when there's a pandemic, it's weird because you don't see the crowd. The stadiums are empty and I feel torn. I'm watching a game that I love, the nostalgia and all that's there. But I also in my heart feel like this is the wrong thing, that these kids are being put out there to play 
and this is not right. We know that kids are going to be sick, and we just think it's okay to risk that for our entertainment. And them getting sick is unavoidable. Listen, we don't have students necessarily even on campus in a normal way. They're on campus, but they're not going to classes the way we went to classes. They have distance learning, and they may go in for a lab or two, something that they can't necessarily go and do under normal circumstances. You have high schools. The majority of high schools around the country have shut down their season because they know the risk of the kids. And these college kids are not being paid. When we talk about the NFL, that's a different situation. Those are grown as men that are getting paid, that are making their own decisions. College football players are not being paid. And I don't want to hear anything about what they want to do. Okay. Because you got people saying, well, they want to play. Of course they want to play. They're kids. I find it funny that we want to listen to them say that they want to play when we want to be entertained. And that's okay. But when they want to speak up about being paid, we want to shut them down. So that right there lets me know that our motivations in terms of just the general fan base of college football typically is not in the right place because we're not being consistent. So, again, these kids aren't being paid. I don't care if they want to play or not. And finally, customary safety procedures are being ignored. Let me explain. If a football game is being played and suddenly clouds roll in and there's a threat of lightning, what do they do? They make all the players get off the field. And they make them stay off the field until the storm blows past. Why do they do that? Because there is a chance, no matter how minute, that one of these kids is going to be struck by lightning. So we do that for that. But for this pandemic, which is clearly a problem, clearly putting kids at risk, and we will clearly have a percentage of kids that will be adversely affected long term, we're okay with rolling them out to play. Because of our desire to be entertained. Again, these are kids. They are not professionals. And so I want to be very clear about that. I also want to be very clear about every time I look up and see a highlight or look up and I have it playing in the background or I'm absorbing it in any way, I'm dealing with being a hypocrite. And I can't stand that. So I'm going to try to be as honest as possible in here. Yes, I've had the games on. I haven't sat down and watched a whole game. And I probably won't do that, but I'm still absorbing it. So it's really no different, right? But my goal is to watch it less and less and less and to allow what I know is the right thing to really sort of break through and take over and go, I'm just going to do something else because this just doesn't feel right. So we also have this final factor, and that is the issue of race is always on the table when it comes to sports. And for those folks out there that are like, oh, I don't want to mix politics. This isn't about politics. Talking about race is not politics. And for those who want to make it that, that's because they want to avoid talking about it. But here on the Fly in the Milk podcast, oh, baby, we're going to talk about it. Well, how does race play a role? Well, when you're having college football players playing in the middle of the pandemic, you have to always examine and ask yourself, how is race functioning and how is race manifesting in this situation and this is a situation where once again we have an overwhelming amount of decisions being made by white men about the bodies of black people and we need to be clear about that now why is this important this is important because of the history of the country and how this has played out and particularly in states and schools that have decided to play there is a dreadful history and an impact of casteism, which Isabel Wilkerson 
talks about in her book, Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents. We have casteism going on that's unavoidable. And so for the purposes of this show, we're always going to bring that up and unpack that and talk about it. So the underlying issue here is those people that are pressing the issue, those people that are that are not players, because again, of course, players are going to want to play. We are the adults in the room that are making the decisions, but the decisions that are being made, who's impacting that? Who is actually pressuring and pushing it forward? What do they look like? And is there proper representation among those in power? And right now there is not. So that also plays a role like an app on your phone playing in the background. Now, professional football is totally different. Like I mentioned before, these are paid professionals. So it's far less uncomfortable for me to watch these grown men decide to go ahead and play the game. That said, the NFL itself is not void of controversy when it comes to this. They're at the epicenter of the social justice movement since George Floyd. In fact, this was kicked off before that because Once again, we have white men making the decisions on black bodies. And here we have a league where Colin Kaepernick took a knee for the issue of police brutality against black bodies and lost his career. And what has happened since? Well, we've had many, many, many more examples of how the very thing Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee for is actually a thing. We have George Floyd. We have we have several examples, actually, of not just black bodies being brutalized by police, but also by regular citizens. And so you have Commissioner Goodall, who went on Uncomfortable Conversation YouTube video and talked about how, well, the NFL should have listened to Kaepernick. This was disingenuous. Everything Goodell's doing seems to be disingenuous. And let me explain why. Colin Kaepernick is still not in the league. He can play. We know he can play. In fact, there was a team that signed a 41-year-old high school coach to come back and be a backup, and we still don't have Colin Kaepernick, right? So it's not an issue if he, if he can play or not. The real issue is we have ownership that believes, and also a large percentage of the white fan base, that wants to keep their place in the dominant cast secure. So that's what's being prioritized here. This is what's been prioritized the entire time. It's never been about the flag. Kaepernick never made it about the flag. People pivot to the flag to take attention away from talking about casteism or racism because it's uncomfortable. And so in the season opener, which was the Kansas City Chiefs against Houston Texans, and again, I'm from Kansas City, so this felt even more visceral to me when you had the players coming in, locking arm in arm, showing arm in arm, showing unity around this whole issue of social justice. Star Spangled Banner wasn't even playing. And what do you have? Fans booing. If there's no greater example of how it was never about the flag in the first place, it was that. So here I am going on this long soliloquy talking about social justice with the NFL. I'm not even setting up the games. I'm not even talking about the games right now because of that. And the NFL really needs to look at itself. And when I say the NFL, I'm talking about the owners I'm talking about fans, white fans, white fans who don't support social justice in particular need to look at themselves and say, what the heck is going on here? This is terrible. We've got to do better than this. And we can't let the NFL off the hook with this because this has always been about more than just the players makes for an interesting mix. But I am glad the games are on. 
because there's a lot of nostalgia for me personally that comes with fall. Saturdays more so than Sundays, but Sundays too. In fact, I'm more of a college football fan than I am the NFL. The reason why I'm paying more attention to the NFL right now is because I told you I am torn and I feel like a hypocrite watching college football right now. And finally, the measures they're taking is what my friend Craig calls contact without contamination. That is that they're doing symbolic things. And don't get me wrong. Symbolism is important. We have a Washington team that finally, after decades, decided to change their name and take that image off their helmet, which is a good thing. It's symbolic, but it is a good thing. And I think that these gestures, the, you know, playing uh, the National Negro Anthem before the games and what have you, they're symbolic, okay, and they mean something. But they are contact. They're not contamination. And just to be clear, contamination is what really makes for real change. So keep that in mind when you watch games this season. All right, so this coming Tuesday is the Apple announcement, baby. Yes, the Apple announcement that happens every September. Um, But this year, they're not going to be announcing an iPhone. Er, I mean, isn't that crazy? That's what I'm talking about. How are y'all not going to announce an iPhone? Word on the street is that then iPhone's actually going to be announced in October, which is, I guess, a month from now. But, man, you never know what Apple. No. What's going to be announced on Tuesday is a new iPad Air, which if you already got an iPad Pro, eh. A new Apple Watch, which unless you're actually going to change the shape of the Apple Watch, eh. The new AirTags announcement. Now, ooh, I kind of perked up when I heard AirTags, because what's that? Most people don't know what AirTags are. Well, there may be an eh with that too, because AirTags have been this long rumored new product from Apple. And they are physical tags that you would put, say, on something like luggage that you could actually track on your phone. So for those of you folks who travel a lot, which again, the pandemic, man, how many of us are traveling the way we used to travel? Right. So I don't even know if they're actually going to announce this because of that, but it would be nice if they did. Right. Or even if you lost your keys or whatever it is you have that you typically lose, this tag would be something that you'd put on it. You could track it on your phone and theoretically you wouldn't be losing anything anymore. Right. But even with that, eh, is that something to get excited about? I don't think so. I'm not quite sure. Apple has a funny way of making us feel like we need their products. And so, of course, I'm going to watch. But I got to tell you, I'm sitting here with an iPhone 10, and I'm a huge Apple guy. There are two companies that I'm big on, Apple and Tesla. Almost anything they put out, I will be trying to get. And no, I don't have a Tesla yet, but I want to get one. If Apple does a really good job of presenting a need behind it, then maybe I would look at the Apple Watch. Maybe I'm happy with my Series 4, I think I have. They would really have to do some game-changing things in terms of performance and features and stuff for me to actually go after a new Apple Watch. Now, again, word on the street is they're going to have a less expensive version of the Apple Watch, which, 
for a lot of people that will do it for them. For me, that really wouldn't do much. So what am I ultimately saying here? I'm ultimately saying that when it comes to this Apple announcement on Tuesday, once I found out that they were in fact not going to introduce the iPhone 12, which I've been waiting on because I haven't gotten a new phone in three years it kind of took the wind out of the sails. And now, you know, Tuesday's going to kind of come and yeah, I'll have the television on, but my expectations are really low when it comes to Tuesday's announcement, okay? I would be much more excited if it was an iPhone 12 announcement going on. So we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. I'll certainly be tuning in and I hope you will too. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning in to today's show. And I want to tell you, I am looking forward to following up next week to see what it is Apple announced and for us to talk about much, much more. Have a great week. Need something new, teach me things about you. Right now, this fear is sick and I just want to hang out with you. Let's laugh and out of night.